On this episode of Star Wars Time Show Special Edition, the boys are dusting off one of their favorites, the Resistance Recap. That's right, Star Wars Resistance is back for its second season, and Nick is back from the EU. So it's time for them to break down Episode 2 of Star Wars Resistance S2. Cue the music. And welcome back to the Resistance Recap. That's right, we've dusted it off because the show is back for its second and final season. I know, it's kind of a bummer that it's in its final season already, but Nick and I talked about this months ago when we got the announcement that it was getting kneecapped to two seasons, and it really does kind of make sense considering Resistance is tied directly to the age of Resistance movies, so... There's really no point in continuing on after this season's stories are told. So, as you heard from the announcer, who I might add is sounding sexier and sexier every announce he makes, we're going to go over episode two. We're not going to go over episode one. That ship has sailed. That, that dropped last week. Jared and I briefly talked about it. That's Sir Dork 730, Jared, uh, on the last casts, but... Nick wasn't here. There's no point in dusting off uh, the, the first episode, so we're going to jump right into episode two, which, if you're keeping scores, S2E2, and the title of that episode was called A Quick Salvage Run. So if you're new to the Star Wars Time Show Resistance Recap cast, I don't know about that name, but you know it doesn't quite roll off the tongue. But anyways, if you're new to the show, our format is like so. We start by going over all the Easter eggs and Star Wars franchise references that I've dug up and threw in our Mon Monday videos we put out each week after Resistance airs. And then from there, we go through a kind of a recap review, spitballing session on the episode plot threads that kind of stood out and maybe added a little more meat to the Star Wars universe as a whole. All right, buddy. So Nick can't really watch the show. <laughs> He's got to do creative things to find it, to find a copy. But he did find a copy. He consumed a quick salvage run. So it's time. All right, man, let's go ahead and start with some of the Easter eggs. And, and this episode definitely had some in-your-face Easter eggs, direct references to stuff that yep. was happening in The Last Jedi. So from that aspect, it was a pretty solid episode. Yeah, exactly. There were a lot of good things mentioned, a lot of good things brought up here. And like we've been saying with... You know, Star Wars Resistance's TV show is tying directly into these to these other movies. At the end of season one, we got to see, you know, Starkiller base go out and destroy the Hosnian system and the way that that was, um, you know, taken on and the way that that affected the crew of the Colossus and everybody there. Uh, we got to see a lot of other events. We got to see Poe Dameron and Kaz working together. We got to see uh, Captain Phasma here. We got to see even got to see Leia in season one of resistance and now season two is picking up with those age of resistance references and easter eggs right from the beginning and one of the ones that you mentioned right up front is the the battle of dakar fallout which is the very opening scene of tlj so when we see the resistance base getting obliterated by the first order who jumps in this episode now picks up right where that one left off right where tlj left off in the beginning yeah, so we'll just jump right down to that one and come back to the first reference I picked up. But, I mean, Nick, the Battle of Dakar fallout was nothing but one big, massive, it was almost segment-long Easter egg to The Last Jedi. As you said, 
it showed the fallout of that battle. I mean, a major part of this episode was the down dreadnought that Poe Dameron essentially did by himself with the Tico bomber that got that was able to get the bombs dropped onto it. But even more importantly than that, I mean, you got to saw what I called the red anus hole <laughs> left on Dakar where that dreadnought obliterated just, the resistance base. You exactly. saw all the wreckage of the TIE fighters, the X-wings, just from the space battle that the two had before everyone jumped to hyperspace. So it was... And that's why we we love resistance. R four scenes like this, where you do get a direct follow up. All right, so we we got to see through Kaz and the crew of the Colossus, really how damaging this little skirmish was between the First Order and the fleeing resistance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this wasn't just a, a passing battle. This wasn't like a a small hit to the resistance. This essentially. You know, this and the chase that that led to Crate and TLJ essentially destroyed the resistance in its entirety. Um, there was. I mean, nothing you could argue. I mean, we're not scientists; we're just kind of stupid. But the size of that red wound on the planet, just from space. I mean, look how big that that dot is. Just I don't know if you're looking at the post, but even the the trailer thumbnail, you can see it. So, like, these guys are in space, they're on a ship, yeah. probably thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from this, this target mark. I mean, you got to imagine that dreadnought probably opened a, a few miles wide hole into this planet to just to blow up the resistance base. Oh, yeah, they didn't give a fuck about the planet itself. They're like, the resistance base is here, we're, we're blowing up as much of, of this planet's surface as we can with this dreadnought. And like you said, this is not... Obviously, it's not to the scale of like a you know a star uh, or a Death Star or even the single reactor Death Star fire that we saw in Rogue One, but this is a significant amount of damage for one ship. Like this is one right. very mobile ship that has light speed capability that we saw in TLJ. I mean, this thing can basically planet hop and destroy entire cities in the blink of an eye. You'd almost think that maybe these dreadnoughts were the, the test for, you know, we, we've heard, we, there's rumors out there that this, this squadron of, of star destroyers or flotilla, whatever you want to call it, I guess flotilla would be on the water. Uh, but all these fucking star destroyers that are in an unknown region that supposedly Palpatine has been building up. We've heard they essentially have Death Star layers, lasers mounted on them. Who knows, maybe this dreadnought tech was kind of the inspiration for what's going on with this fleet. Could definitely be. I mean, this is... That, I mean, like I said, that is a gaping wound on a planet that you can see from space. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it's got to be miles I mean, and miles and miles yeah. and miles wide. Yeah, that is multiple miles across, and it's just, yeah, it's going to basically have <laughs> a detrimental on a f effect on this planet until it turns into a fucking black hole. Like this thing. Yeah, is I would never have to imagine heal. that it, it, this. The damage is probably comparable to a thousand nuclear bombs, like of our own. Oh yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy. Anyways, back that was, so that was a fantastic Easter egg here, but it wasn't the first one. There's actually I, I call this a reference, but it was the first scene of the of the show here. And first order pilots are discussing models in, in ships or speeders that they're interested in, and it reminded me of the scene in A New Hope 
where old Ben is in the you know the tractor beam room trying to kill that thing, and yeah. you can hear stormtroopers talking about a model of something, just like you know they're <laughs> at work talking about, hey man, did you see the new Jeep truck? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna wait for the next year's model. And we kind of got the same exchange in in this episode of Resistance. It's like stormtrooper water cooler talk. Like they're exactly just fucking hanging around a water cooler where he's like, yeah, did you see the new T17? That's eh, all right. Yeah, I mean it was, it was right. Yeah, nice I think it was something like I believe they said oh, the new TS17. And the other one's like, oh, I'm waiting for the VE series or whatever. So it wasn't even a direct callback to what the trooper said in A New Hope, but it was a very similar situation. And I have yeah. a feeling whoever wrote it was probably thinking something very similarly. So oh, yeah. I, I, I was like, hey, I'll throw it in there. Why not? Because really the Easter eggs and references for the first episode were, were terrible. So I felt like I had to make up for lost time in the second one. Yeah, All right. first the first episode was a little rough. I watched it. Was it was rough. I, I mean, didn't say, you know, we were probably not going to go into it too much, but it was definitely a setup episode. We'll yeah, it's, it's a season premiere. It's not a series premiere, so I don't really have to wow you with anything. It's more or less, okay, well, let's wrap up things that we kind of cliff-hung you on at the end of season one, and now we'll we'll kind of set up the main events of, of season two. But it was, it was a little dull. Um, all right, so moving on to the third Easter egg slash reference in a Qu- uh, Quick Salvage run. It, this is, again, just a reference, but we, w- we would have had no reference of coaxium and the dangers of agitated coaxium without watching Solo, in particular the, the train heist sequence. So, exactly. You know, we, we see Niku, he's let everyone know we need coaxium, it's hyperspace fuel, but he also lets people know, if you get this shit agitated, we're fucked. Yeah, they're like trying to cut it out of its housing, and they're like, look, if you overheat it, like Niku tells them, if it gets too hot, or if you puncture it, or if you do this, if you shake it up, then this thing could definitely explode, and then you get fucking... The pirate captain and yeah, Kragen like with his this. ham hands gets in there all bullheaded, like yeah, just pop, like, starts ripping at it. Yeah, so it, I mean, again, this is a perfect reference to Solo, and without Solo, we would have no idea what coaxium is, like you mentioned. I mean, we all kind of knew that these ships needed some sort of fuel source to to power themselves throughout the galaxy, and now we know that it's coaxium thanks to thanks to Solo, and we also know that. If this shit gets a little too hot, it will explode in violent fashion. So You know what? If, if you think about it, we really didn't even start considering Star Wars ship fuel probably until The Last Jedi. Yeah, because we were like... Did, did you oh, ever just... worry about, oh man, I, I can't believe the Millennium Falcon keeps trying to make these jumps. I bet their fuel's running low. Never once in my life. Right, but figured. then they, they picked it up again in, in Solo and they, they kind of added to the lure of fuel, of hyperfuel, and that is coaxium. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're trying to trying to draw some references to like sure, real life situations. Not? It's like, man, it really sucks to run out of gas when you're on the highway. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, really, that's what's going on in Resistance in this episode. Yeah. They can't go anywhere because they don't have any coaxium left in the Colossus. I mean, they cannot make a jump. Yeah. So, so I mean, they're, they're stuck, stuck to whatever impulse power. I guess we'll use a, a Star Trek term here, but they, they can't make the jump. Yeah, they're just on, on regular, you know, whatever fusion cores or right. whatever the fuck they run off of. They just got regular unleaded in that motherfucker if they're not exactly. I mean their their Tesla their Tesla battery was a little low. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. I vowed I wouldn't mention these, but this, I believe, was a new helmet to be worn by the Pirates. I mean, we've established this last year in our Resistance recaps. It's clear the the Pirates in Star Wars Resistance 
are scavengers, and they love scavenging old uh, empire or imperial type of armor. So they're, in this episode, we, we finally got to see one wearing a scout trooper helmet. We've seen them in Minbom trooper helmets, mud trooper helmets, uh, Mandalorian helmets, sort of. And now we got to see one in a scout trooper helmet. Honestly, Scout Trooper is probably one of my favorite helmets it on is, all of the bucket is. heads. It was like, Ezra's, too. I mean, that was one of his favorite buckets he collected. And I, I believe he wore it um, as his main helmet in the last season of Rebels. Yeah, yeah, I believe he did as well. So this one, yeah, this was a, a good catch. Again, this is something that's not very prominent. And this is what Matt's known for. If you've never listened to the Resistance recap, Matt is known for picking out shit that you would never catch. Like, you're watching the episode, you're enjoying yourself. And then Matt is there and his brain is in like analytics mode. Like he right. hears this little conversation that happens in the very beginning with the pilots talking about ships. He catches like a, like a bottom of the frame scout trooper helmet. Yeah, It's that- weird. Like, I, I don't even know if I enjoy watching shows this way. And it's not, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I do pull out my little note app and I kind of chart the, the plot generally, and I have a section for Easter eggs, but it's not like I'm sitting there going, oh, 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 did I miss something? Oh, oh, yeah. It's my brain is just wired in a way that when I process every scene and the visuals, it just goes, oh, yeah, you've seen that before. Oh, yeah, that's from that. That's from that. That's from that. Pattern I, pattern recognition. It's that's another useless skill. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it gives me nothing in life at all. I have a lot of useless talents when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> um, I, I mean, again, it, it hasn't made me rich or it hasn't even made me Star Wars famous. So who knows what the fuck I'm doing? But, yeah, we got a scout trooper helmet finally from the Pirates. And then the last egg here, or more of a reference, at the end of the episode, Pyre, uh, Pyre mentions to Tierney that he thinks Tam needs herself some good old First Order conditioning, which is a direct reference to a scene in TFA and just general knowledge that we've learned about the First Order and how they will conscript their units at a young age, and then they will condition them uh, with essentially brainwashing. Exactly. This is the brainwashing that was alluded to. And the other movies, like you mentioned, this is the brainwashing, the conditioning that that Finn was able to shake like no other resistance uh, or uh, First Order trooper has been able to do. Um, So even though it seems like to Tam, the First Order has taken her in and they're kind of, you know, things are definitely a little odd. And we'll get to that in the episode uh, breakdown. But you know, she's still under the impression that they're trying to help her out. But really, everybody knows that the First Order's intentions are never for the good of uh, humanity. Yeah, it's so, so clear. They're, they're, they're using her to, to get what they want. And, and, and they're, I mean, Tierney's perfect at this. She, she can see behind those doe eyes of Tam that, you know, she still deeply cares about these people, but she also feels slighted by uh, Kaz's perceived betrayal by lying to her. Yeah. So and then let's just get into it, man. Yeah. Let, let's we're gonna switch over to the recap and review. And the episode opens with Tam, as I believe the other one did. So really, the, the way Resistance is being presented this season, you essentially have two main plots to follow: Tam's new journey with the First Order, and then of course Kaz and company on the Colossus. So the episode opens with Tam again. You can tell. I mean, you just look on the way they animated her face. She doesn't feel 100% right about where she's at. And she goes back to Kaz's message from episode one and hears a little bit more of it. But then Dickhead Boy walks in, someone that definitely has no love for Kaz and Rucklin, and he pretty much convinces her, don't be a dumbass. 
I'll rat you out. You better rat yourself out. Turn this stuff over and help our new overlords. Yeah, and I mean, this is another instance where Tam is finally realizing that, well, not finally realizing, but starting to realize that the people who she's, you know, under now are definitely don't have her, her best 100%. intentions in yeah. mind. I mean, they're using her. She, she's right. starting to figure it out. And like I said, you could just see on the like the consternation on her face when she's listening to the message. The fact that she even went back to it shows us that she still cares about Kaz and company. Yeah. Uh, but she's, you know, she's quite angry at them. And I guess she feels like this is her way of of getting back at this point. But even by the end of this episode, I think it's starting to sink in that uh, she's probably fucked. But she's going to keep going along with it because Tyranny and Pyre keep feeding her the perfect lines of, nope. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. You're doing the right thing. Yeah. And then right. we, we move into the next scene, like you mentioned in the in the breakdown, and we get back to the Colossus, and you have Kazniku, and you're, they're kind of just hanging out. Sonara's there as well. But then what we really kind of get to in the in the big kind of reveal that comes from this these interactions with the Colossus is that we, we finally get to meet Kaz's father. Um, which I think was a really cool thing because yeah, so that came dead. after after that scene. They're all hanging out. The pirates are getting drunk at Aunt Z's. Uh, Sonara figures out that Kaz has been in contact with Tam, which she thinks is stupid, but that's Kaz. He is stupid. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. That, that that conversation gets interrupted by Yeager. Who says there's a long long range transmission for Kaz, and as Nick said, it is Kaz's dad. So we did learn in this episode that the uh, Zionos were not on Hosnian Prime when it got lit up by the First Order. But the bad news for Kaz is that his dad, before the, the signal gets cut, his dad's like, dude, your name's out there. You are, you've been put up as the fall guy for this. Bounty hunters are after you. So I, yeah. I think that was on purpose that it cut off right after that. And that's probably going to open up in a, a new plot thread here down the road this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when, with the mention of bounty hunters opens up a world of possibilities, especially within, you know, the age, this, this time period. I mean, we don't know what the status of, you know, Boba Fett is. We haven't seen Boba Fett officially in canon post rotj but we know that there's still some famous bounty hunters out there looking for work and then hunting down a a you know a resistance agent for the first order is definitely going to pay handsomely so could we end up seeing some of these famous bounty hunters that have been in star wars warfare could we end up seeing Bosk, dengar ig88 could we end up seeing forlom or any of these other famous bounty hunters that are now established within new canon you know we really haven't had any bounty hunters introduced in tfa and tlj have we no i mean there's there's been at least no mention official mention of bounty hunters i'm sure right. we've seen some like you know when we were on probably maz yeah maz's yeah, place and stuff like that but we haven't had any like boba fett type of characters enter the fray right in right. this new you know this new trilogy so um I'm interested to see if that does become like a, a a situation where you can bring in like, you know, a Cad a Cad Bane. I know that right now we're under the impression, well, Cad Bane was supposed to be killed in a you know. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, who knows if script. 
we don't know if Filoni's going to pay off on that or not, but, I mean, he did show a clip a few celebrations ago that explained how Boba Fett gets a dent in his head and why we never really heard of Cad Bane in the Age of Rebellion. So, yeah, um, who knows? But, all right, so back to the action in Resistance here. After Kaz learns from his dad that he's okay and there's bounty hunters off of him, we go back to the First Order, and Tam, sure enough, hands over a comm device, and both Tyranny and Pyre are like, score! Now we can finally find Kaz and the Colossus, which is their charge from Phasma from the first episode. I mean, she basically told them, if you don't get these motherfuckers, you guys are both going to die. So Tam is falling into their trap. She's playing right into their hands, and she hands over a communicator, which obviously is going to allow them to backtrack it to the Colossus. Yeah, again, it's another decision where you can see as it's happening, she's like, is this the right thing to do? She's constantly questioning herself at this point, and she knows that while she feels like she did the right thing initially, she's just like, you know, is is this the right move? Like she she brags about like I'm finally getting to be a pilot. You know, she's happy about that part of things. Right. Then, exactly. You know, the way that everything else is playing out and how they're essentially just using her as an information oh, sponge. Totally. Like, it's yeah. basically she's got to be thinking at this point, is it worth it to be a pilot and respected as a pilot? to sell out my soul or not. I mean, that's where yeah. she's at at this point. Exactly. So right. it's a it's a very interesting time for Tam. Um, no, she's, she's actually, I think, providing or will provide the, the more emotional plot thread this season, I would say. I mean, I'm still predicting at some point she's going to have a fork-in-the-road decision of, am I committing to this first order? Am I, am, am I going to hurt my friends myself? Or... Am I going to turn and save the day right when it looks like the resistance is fucked? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's my prediction. I don't think it goes any other way. And, and because it is a cartoon, I don't think Tam's probably going to perish. Uh, but I do think she'll have that decision before the season is up. What are you going to do? I mean, even this episode, you could tell she was getting itchy. And we're not there yet. But when the Colossus was actually getting drilled with no shields. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, the episode shifts back to the Colossus where they show up at the car. You know, Nick and I already, already talked about what they saw. I mean, they realize that a big battle took place and the resistance base is gone, which means no refueling of coaxium. So Kaz, in Kaz fashions, like, hey, why don't we just use the pirates and go steal some fuel from the blown-up dreadnought? Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You have a, a shit ton of pirates on board now, and what, right. where are I mean, they they're, they're, they're good at stealing their shit. Their specialty is smuggling and stealing shit, so scavenging. I mean, it really was a perfect job for them. Yeah, I mean, and, and that dreadnought, we know that it jumped out of hyperspace right at the beginning of TLJ, so we assume that there's still coaxium fuel in there that's active and can be used, so... Um, it really was a good idea. It was their only choice, really. I mean, yeah, Kaz, everything else around them was basically blown to bits. Like they're right. flying through a debris field just to get to the the dreadnought, and you're like, okay, well, they really didn't even have another vessel of choice to pick to get coaxium from. There right. was nothing. I mean, they they weren't jumping anywhere. I mean, it, it, they wouldn't have gotten away. I mean, they had no choice. I mean, yeah, they didn't know that. Pyre and Tierney were right on their asses because of Tam. Yeah. Uh, but they had an idea that they couldn't hang around the car for too long. So speaking of Tam, we go back to, to her situation, and we do learn, no shit, that Ty Pyre and Tierney were able to get the location 
from Kaz's communicator, and then they realize, like, why are they back at the car? And they're like, okay, here we go. So uh, they start rolling over, and as they're rolling over, we got Kaz, Kragen, Sonara, Niku, CB, and a bunch of Ding Dong Pirates. They they get on the Dreadnought, and, and they eventually find Coaxium. But it's really, as we said earlier, it's down to essentially one tank, and shit's starting to hit the fan. Yeah, exactly. And and this is where we get the moment where it's getting frantic. They're trying to cut this coaxium loose. Kragen starts to just fucking try to rip shit out of its housing. And the whole time that this is going on, these pirates are just running around stealing random yeah, shit no. throughout <laughs> the, the ship. <laughs> like The only pirates that were actually on task were Kragen and Sonara. All the other ones, as soon as they hit the dreadnought, they're like, hey, fuck it. They even, they made it look like so much fun that Niku started getting in on this, on this stealing (laughs) shit. Like Kaz actually had to tell Niku, like, please stop doing this because we're about to get blown the fuck (laughs) up. Like, come on. Kaz and Niku really are like the best partnership. I mean, it's dumb and dumber, right? Oh, yeah. It's uh, Larry and what's the other guy's name? Larry, Moe, and Curly from... That's the Three Stooges. Well, yeah, that's the Three there's... Stooges. I'm talking about the Dumb and Dumber names. I forget oh, the... Oh, God. I can't remember. It's... Eh, whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm bad at that pop culture. But either way, I mean, it really is like the blind leading the blind, but somehow those two usually save the day in every episode. So. Again, like I've said uh, multiple it... times last season, like Kaz and Niku, they like bumblefuck their way to success, and I don't yeah. know how it happens. Most of the, it's it, you like can't it. compare them to any other duo in Star Wars. No. I mean, there's, they're, they're unlike anyone else i mean it, it, as nick said it, it's two people leading with their assholes somehow <laughs> and they, they figure all this shit out uh they always make things interesting that's for sure yeah yeah um so as nick said you got craig in trying to rest the uh, get the coaxium out of its lockdown container at this point the first order has unleashed a squadron of ties they're they're starting to shoot the dreadnought which is making shit even more dire for the pirates and kaz uh, so Doze is like, all right, let's let's rally the aces. The aces get out there, and we got an awesome space battle going on. There's some fantastic shots of the space battle. This is probably one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, I, I grabbed the shot, Nick, because I always take stills. It was just it was a, an amazing sh- like close up of a first order special forces tie, the ones with the red striping, just blasting its green turbo lasers at, at, you know, the aces or whatever. And I just, I I liked, I always love a good Star Wars ship-to-ship battle. Oh, yeah, exactly. And this is one of the rare times in the show that we get to see the aces in action. I mean, if we remember up leading up to the release of season one of, of Resistance, the aces were actually a very big part of, like, the promotional push for this show. Like, they're talking about the aces. They're talking about all these dis- these different personalities, and then also some of the big name voice actors that are associated with them. You have Mary Elizabeth McGlenn. You have um, Donald Faison. You have a bunch of pretty famous people voicing the aces, and we rarely got to see them in action. And this, in, in you know, early in season two, we get to see them out there fighting against the first order, which was a fantastic way to really bring this season back to life after a kind of dead-ish episode one right and i think they they kind of showcase the aces for a reason because as we learn by the end of this episode the aces may be fantastic racing pilots they're sucky combat pilots because 
they they kind of got their their asses kicked in this space battle by the first order tie squadron that was sent after them. I mean, they're it, not used to firing and driving exactly and that honestly if you if you pay attention to starwarstime.net which you should because there's always time for star wars time uh, i put a clip out from the upcoming episode and it it 100 is going to deal with the aces inability uh, not inability but they're they're lacking in combat piloting skills and they're actually going to get yeager as their squadron leader and our boy kaz is going to join the aces too and why you may ask well you gotta remember kaz was a, a new, new republic, republic pilot yeah when and this then, all started like he he is trained as a combat pilot whether he's a dope or not yeah i mean yeager was also a rebellion pi- pi- uh, pilot right pirate back in the day so. yeah so I, i'm 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 into that I, i'm excited to see how that episode goes but as we kind of round this one out so we we've got a, a space battle going on we've got kaz and the pirates trying to get this now agitated coaxium out of the dreadnought which at this point pyre's basically like obliterate it so we can get a better targeting window at the Colossus itself. Uh, so they escape the Dreadnought in the nick of time. Great little shot. There are little pirate skiff ships out there. Uh, they eventually crash land back on the Colossus thanks to the Aces more or less becoming targets. Yeah. I wouldn't say they were really shooting down enemy fighters, but they kind of drew some fire away from the pirate ship. So they land on the Colossus, Nick, Kaz and Niku rush off with the hyperdrive fuel, but now the First Order has zeroed on the Colossus, and it has no shields, and yeah, it is getting its ass kicked. It's, I mean, we know how big the Colossus is from seeing it you know, take off into space at the end of Season 1, but when you have the, the might of the First Order bearing down on you when you have no shields, you have very limited time before you're just fucking space dust. Um, so yeah, and then, this was the moment like that you mentioned where Tam is really starting to kind of feel like, holy shit, they oh, yeah. could literally kill my friend. This, this could be the end of the she people was, that She I was know. biting her lower lip. You could tell she was, you know, quenching her butt a little bit like, Ooh, fuck. I did this. Basically. I gave them this information that is leading to essentially my former home being destroyed. I mean, we got to remember Tam had been on the Colossus probably for years. I mean, she, that was her home. That is where she lived. That is where she worked. I mean, she was there for way longer than Kaz. Yeah, exactly. And and she's abandoned all those people. So, I mean, not only was she probably worried for Yeager and the, you know her Colossus family, but, I mean, anyone else on that station she would have known was basically going to get blown up. But luckily, dumb and dumber, <laughs> somehow... Clusterfuck the agitated coaxium into the Colossus hyperdrive system. We get the the magic going, the sparks fly up, the electricity's on, the ship's ready to roll. So Doza and 4D are able to make the jump just in the nick of time before Pyre and Tyranny blow the Colossus out of the fucking sky. Yeah, and obviously with this escape, Pyre and Tyranny are not too happy. They can't blame Tam really for that i mean she provided them with the information to get there but they know that their commander that captain phasma is not going to be happy to hear that they had the uh, colossus zeroed in and let them escape so they're probably preparing for a for a bit of a chewing out on that end but they also do tell tam to just you know be wary, keep an ear out to see if Kaz or anybody else. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're gonna, they're using know, they her. She's a, she's essentially become an agent for them without really knowing. I mean they give her the communicator back, basically 
begging her to make contact. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think that was a very subtle move on their part. Like, oh, hey, here you go. Just if he hears from, or if you hear from him, let us know. But now that she has it back in her possession, it, she's probably going to be compelled to want to talk to them, especially after she just watched the Colossus Hall get kicked in by the Star Destroyer she was on. Yeah, she's definitely going to have some emotions, and they've probably toyed with that with that uh, that communicator a little bit as well. Like, you oh yeah, and then this is also where Pyre, after Tam walks away, where he kind of looks at Tyrion and he's like, "Yo, we we gotta we gotta get this girl under some first order conditioning." And Tyrion he stops him, is like, "No, we need to leave her just as she is." And she's smart for doing that because she she can see the inner conflict within Tam too. Yeah, and she knows that she can play on that. She can play on the uncertainty, the anger, the fear, and and get. Tam to essentially do what she wants her to do. Yeah, and look, a a a conditioned Tam, quote unquote, you know, a, a brainwashed Tam, is not going to get you the information that a you know a regular lucent Tam would be. She's not going to be in contact with with Kaz or anybody else if she's brainwashed. At that point, she's just another number within the first order ranks. At least right now, which they have assigned her a number, by the way. What was it? Five three one. Five three three. Five three three. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it was DT five three three or something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, Tyranny knows that once she's conditioned, all use of her as a as a potential source of information about the Colossus is gone. Yeah, um, I mean, she a conditioned First Order soldier is essentially a a unique clone. And I say unique because they're not a clone by the definition clone, but they are essentially programmed like the clones were, where fear, a lot of emotions kind of ripped out of them, and they are essentially a machine. Do what we tell you. Ask no questions. Do not blink. Pull the trigger. Yeah, exactly. So so we uh, the episode wraps with Jaeger, or Jaeger wondering how the hell they were found. I mean, we know, and, and Sonara essentially telling Kaz how they were found, like, dude, you know why we got s- sniffed out. It's because you contacted Tam. And Kaz is like, I don't believe that. Tam would never betray us. And Sonara just kind of looks at him like, don't Bro, be such a fucking idiot. She is literally working for the First Order now. Right. Like she is a trooper. She's a First Order pilot. But yeah, I mean, she- Kaz has always had that naivety to him. And that's what makes him such a unique Star Wars hero is that usually you get these kind of grizzled... I don't know, well, maybe not grizzled is the right word, but the, you, you get people with a broken background, a broken history. I mean, Luke Skywalker didn't know his real parents, and then his aunt and uncle get disintegrated by stormtroopers. You have Anakin Skywalker, who grows up as a slave and is essentially you know taken away from his mother at a very young age. And now, you know, with Rey, our, our newest hero, she is a, a nomad, a nobody who was abandoned on a different planet, and then when you look at Kaz, he is this idealistic, naive kid who be- who wants to believe that everybody who's ever been nice to him or everybody that he considers a friend would never do something to hurt him. So it's different. It's a different mindset for a Star Wars hero that we've never really seen before. Yeah, sorry, I had my kid yelling at me, Nick. I missed a little bit of that conversation. So <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, um, he's a he's a different guy, Kaz. He's a very different guy than. What oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my bad, dude. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sometimes three and a half year old runs my life. Other parents probably understand that, but she was screaming because daddy didn't do something 
according to routine. And her little head melted just like her father's does when things don't play out to routine. So <laughs> I'm back. Yes, that is why Kaz is kind of, to me, a, a standout character, really. Yeah, yeah. I love him. I love the guy. So, um, yeah, that about wraps up this episode. And, Matt, I mean, I know right now we've picked up on the, the TLJ kind of timeline here. Do you expect the rest of Resistance to kind of exist within that same sphere? Yeah, I think they've they've said as much that the, the this season will end essentially right at the end of TLJ or butt up to the beginnings of, of Tross. But, I mean, we know there is a bit of a time jump between the two movies, so who knows? I mean, it, we discussed this earlier, I and mean, this is really probably why the show is being killed after this season, because... You could argue they could have done a third season to kind of tell another story with the Kaz crew that sat within the time frame of Tross, but you know, I guess they wanted Tross to be the true end to the Skywalker saga, so that's why Resistance got the boot after season two. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet that they didn't want any animated stuff or any kind of non non big screen material playing on after the official end of the Skywalker saga. So I think you're, you're spot on there. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, this was a, it was definitely a better second episode than the first. Um, and it looks like it's, it's going to be setting up to, to continue action moving forward, knowing where we are in the TLJ timeline, knowing where the, you know, the first order is and, and what the Colossus is now doing. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, even I think next episode, just based on the clip we got, is is probably going to be somewhat tame because, I, I mean, obviously we're going to get more TAM development. It looks like she's going to get her first indoctrination into being a Thai pilot from some very mean-looking Helga-style yeah. uh, squad commander. Uh, but we're probably going to get mostly set up on the resistance front, and, and I think it's going to be Yeager training Kaz and the Aces to be more of a, a combat squ- squadron than just racers. So yeah. who knows what we get out of episode three, but I, I can tell you right now, I, I smile. I smiled, had a little laugh when I watched the clip just because of Kaz, as Nick was saying. I mean, he, he just kind of, he, he always stands out and he always kind of makes me smile because of how fucking stupid he is sometimes and, and how people respond to his, his, klutziness yeah (laughs) so i I think we'll see some of that but there's definitely a fun little exchange between him and the aces when they find out that he is joining their ranks let's just say they're they're less than thrilled and a little suspicious of some bozo becoming an ace but hey that's why we love kaz so all right people thanks for tuning in to our first resistance recap of the show's second and final season we will continue doing these throughout the season while it's running there'll probably be a break over the holiday uh, weeks months and then it will revitalize itself probably in january and make its way to its finale sometime in april and nick and i will be here after every new episode to break down the easter eggs in star wars franchise references for you as well as give a recap in a star wars time style presentation as we add in our own little review two cents here and here so hopefully you liked it Hopefully you are watching Resistance yourself, or this was probably a terrible podcast for you. And yes, you should be watching it. If you want to wait, it is going to be on Disney Plus, at least season one. 
But in the meantime, while you're waiting, you can listen to our back catalog of shows or Resistance recaps. If you're just going through Season 1 now, you can find those on StarWarsTime.net. Just search Star Wars Resistance. Or if you're subscribing to our podcast on any of the platforms, those episodes should still be available. Speaking of subscribing, StarWarsTime.net, you can find the subscribe link in the top right or in the hamburger menu if you're on mobile. And then just click on whatever platform you want and add the Star Wars Time show to your podcasting flavors. You need to do it. Trust me. Because all you have to do is remember, if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force, that Force, will be with you always. (laughs) 